what's happening. Welcome to season three of Apples and Snakes, the podcast. I'm your host, Yomi Shode, and we have a whole new set of poets and are still focusing on what it means to be black, British, and a poet or spoken word artist. If you are interested in getting a greater insight into the journeys of some of your faves, then join us and keep listening. Saying that, if you do like what you're hearing, remember to subscribe wherever you would usually listen to your podcasts and rate us and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Apples and Snakes podcast. I'm your host, Yomi Shode. It's an absolute pleasure to 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 be speaking with the man himself, Rags, um, Rags CV, Poetic Unity's very own. Do you know what it is? I'm thinking back to when we first met. Did I meet the poet first or the organizer? Or was I even messed with both worlds at once? And I think the maddest thing is I think I was met with both worlds in 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 one setting. And I was just like, oh my days. Because the thing is, and I think you still carry on with the same energy rags because it's like, listen, as independent as I am when we first met, I, I still am that person. And I have a community that kind of work with me and support me and I support them and we carry that journey on. And that's one thing that's always inspired me in whenever I see you work, whenever I heard your work at the same time. And it's been a real honor and a privilege to actually grow and be to 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 be friends, you know, each other on a personal level as well. And also to kind of to be like vent, to be like, yo, bro, this thing ain't easy. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's not easy at all. Um, how are you today, man? How are you doing today? Yeah, no, I'm blessed, man. Thanks for having me. Obviously, big up apples and snakes as well. Um, yeah, it's it's been a journey, bro. I don't know how long we've known each other, but it's definitely been a minute. It's been it's been an absolute absolute minute, and we've seen each other grow as artists, as as organizers, um, and even within our own personal lives as well, in terms of growth and transitions. Do you see what I mean? And I, so I am aware of you. I'm not sure about like it's a big it's a, it's a big it's a big scope bruv I, and if I was to kind of just lean into that a bit and ask you a question and say for for the folks who might not be aware of who you are how how would you best describe yourself I love this I love I do you know I love that I, I love that we're <laughs> talking talking in this level because at the same time the majority of the time is voice notes so we 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 will just be voice noting each other on transit and like and journeys in different ways, but it's like we're doing the exact same thing, but a totally different, <laughs> level. A different platform. Yeah, you know I mean, I love this. So I'm just like, so 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 this is dope. And so yeah, how would you best, how would you best describe yourself to 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 the people? Um, I'd say I'm a guy who grew up in Brixton. Love South London, like South London, born and bred. You know what's funny? I was talking to someone about this the other day, and someone said to me, "You know, if you used to say where you're from, what would you, how would you describe?" It? And I'd be like, the first thing I'd say is, "I'm from London." Mm. In fact, the first thing I'd say is, "I'm from Brixton." Then I'd say, mm. "I'm from London." Mm. Then I'd say, "I'm Jamaican and Irish heritage." That comes after. Well, I would I would actually say British or English at any point, by the way, which mm. is interesting itself. Do you know what I'm saying? But because when I go when I travel to different countries and stuff. People know about Brixton, especially when I go to Jamaica or when I go even go Canada, up in Canada. Yeah. You say Brixton, they know. When you go to Canada, they say te- they say top boy as soon as you speak anyway. <laughs> you know <what> I'm <laughs> That's the problem one out there. Trust me, bro. It's, it's mad. But um, yeah, I would describe myself as someone who grew up like on the council estate in Brixton, um, you know, working class, average background, like. But I think what was a really game changer for me and really helped me as a person grow was having my dad around, um, mm. having that person, that driving force, like the way he worked as a man, like, and obviously as a black man as well, to see that in front of me, which, and also just to big up my dad as well, 
he was him and there's only one other dad, other black dad on in the area, mm. like who who like of my friends who had their dad around. You get mm. me? So like he was kind of like a a dad for the ends. You get what I'm saying? Like a lot yeah. of people used to go to him for like advice and whatnot. So like so yeah, he's played a big role not just in my life but in even at the community um, that we used to live in. So like the reason why I bring him up is to say that he molded who I am as a person. Like I'm literally a little version of him. You know what I'm saying, yeah. so, I'm a I'm the creative version of him because he was more, he's a laborer and he does like, he's got his own businesses and stuff, but he's more like handyman. Mm. Cause obviously I'm a creative person. Um, and I'd say like from him, like seeing he's like seeing how he worked, like, and understanding how working like that. And also the way he treated people as well. Like that, yeah. that example was so important for me to see as a, as a young man growing up, especially because when you're growing up in the ends, you, as you know, there's all these things going on that can take you the wrong path. Yeah. You know what I'm yeah. saying? But he always brought me back to that, to the, to the, to the center, I would say. Um, and, um, I'm just, bro, I'm just a guy that believes in community, that's passionate about helping people, um, that loves music, loves poetry, mm. loves movies, like, but main thing I would say about me is like, I want to see all of us win. Mm. That's my mindset. Like, and the reason why I feel like that and think like that, again, this, this is a homage to my grandparents now. When my grandma got diagnosed with Alzheimer's when I was 22, that changed my whole perspective on life, bro. I used to look mm. at life as like, as a young 22-year-old, I was still on road at that point, by the way. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I was still doing a little bit of stupidness here and there. And like, seeing my grandma suffer with that, that changed my life and I started thinking about we instead of just I. You get what yeah. I'm saying? And I've really found my purpose um, at that age thanks to her and my granddad as well. So, so yeah, I feel like I've changed a lot. Like I'm 35 now. Like that was like, you know what I'm saying? Like 13 years ago or whatever. Mm. In that time, I've changed so much as a person, do you know what I'm saying? And grown so much. But I think the blessing that I had and again, big up my grandparents for this is that I found my purpose at a young age. Um, and a lot of the time when we talk about purpose, people talk about a career, a job or whatnot. To me, that's not what a purpose is. A purpose is what you're here to do in this world. So for me, my purpose is to, to bring light into this dark world. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it's, it's whatever I do, I'm a light bearer. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm. And it just turns out that Poetry Unity is my, is my vehicle at the moment. You know what I'm saying? So what that is. And um, just to let you know from super early, yeah, I'm getting the Poetic Unity stuff out of the way because <laughs> you are the focus. And I think that's very important. I was in a conversation mm. with Shirley May um, and Shirley May um, runs um, Young, Ident Young Identity. And a lot of the time, the conversation is Young Identity and it's not mm. Shirley. Do you know what I mean? And um, in, a, in the same respect, a lot of conversations can be around poetic unity, but I really want to just focus on Rags, Ryan. Do you know what I mean? The man himself and 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 the entry point in there. So I, I asked, I, I'm going to ask the biggest question in relation to poetic unity, and I might drop it in here and there after. How can we talk about poetic unity? You are doing amazing work with this organization um from black culture archives to theater peckham you to to um lush is it lush like mm. for, you was in lush the other day you was like working mm. with mental health charities you working with theaters um at film premieres it's th there seems to be no boundary to 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 how much you're extending poetic unity to the platforms in which it goes right do you mind talking and and speaking a bit on poetic unity um how it came to be um where it's currently at and your vision for it going forward yeah so since we're trying to keep the poetic unity stuff kind of short i'll keep it you know mm. nice and neat but yeah, there's a, there's a long story into how Poets Unity came to be, but I guess the main thing is the why. Why did I start Poets Unity? And I think mm. for me, it was a couple of reasons. One, because in school, like, I, I went through racism from teachers, uh, biasness from teachers, and also not just that, 
I never felt like my voice was valued or heard as a young person in school. Um, and a big thing to touch on to say in that is, and this is still happening now because we do a lot of work in schools as well, is that parents tend to believe the teachers over their child. Do you know what I'm saying? And that was very frustrating for me as a kid. Um, and especially when it was being racist and it was proven they were racist, but because the teacher's an adult, oh no, it can't be true. Can't They can't be racist. It's impossible. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So like um, that frustration, like that, you know, that trauma that I went through as, a, as like a 13, 14 year old boy, um, yeah, that really led on to why you know, we give a voice to the voiceless. That's where that tagline comes from. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because I felt voiceless when I was young. Do you know what I'm saying? Obviously, I had a voice, but it wasn't heard. Mm. So it's almost pointless me even having a voice. You get what I'm saying? Mm. So we tried to obviously give young people going forward now a voice and, and for them to feel valued and, and, and to be the authentic self. You know what I'm saying? So it kind of stemmed from that, like what I went through as a child. Also stemmed from, again, my grandparents helping me understand, you know, the, the importance of community. And obviously, I did a project with my granddad. I don't know if we've spoken about this, but me and my granddad did a, an album together. Mm. Obviously, my granddad's Jamaican. So he used to do like reggae, jazz, all that stuff. Like, And uh, me and him created an EP. And then from the EP, all the sales we made from that EP went to the Alzheimer's Society charity, raised thousands of pounds for them, took that EP to like different events. We, we um, uh, put on events. We went to schools and did motivational talks as well. And I did that for Alzheimer's Society, volunteering for them for four years. Yeah. Um, and that led to me understanding the charity sector and that also led to me understanding that I want to do my own thing. Do you know what I'm saying? Because there's only so much I could do within the Alzheimer's Society charity. Do you know what I mean? Um, and then obviously, Poetry Unity started. Um, I didn't, by the way, I didn't get into poetry until I was 25, a year mm. before I started Poetry Unity because I thought poetry was corny, I ain't gonna lie. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Oh, we're like, going to get into that yeah, one soon. Yeah, no yeah, yeah. No we'll, <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that. Yeah, so it was a weird one. So, But anyway, I got into, I got into spoken word kind of by, by accident. Mm. And, um, you know, big up guys like George and Sully Breaks because when I saw guys like that actually doing poetry, I thought, right, this actually could be for me as well. Do you know what I mean? The mandem are doing it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so there were definitely inspirations at the early, po- at the early point of, the, of Poverty Unity as well. And... Um, yeah, my main thing with Poetry Unity when I started, it was just, I want to try a thing. I want to give a platform to young people to have a voice on the stage and also for their voices to be heard and valued. But also, I want to create community. I want to like build... Because obviously, at that time, youth clubs were getting closed down left, right, and center. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I really wanted to create that space where people can come and just come together and vibes. you know what I mean? So the first like year of Poets Unity was just that. It was just me putting on events, putting on workshops. Bearing in mind, I never ran a workshop in my life at that mm. point. Just tried a thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that was it. Um, and then, but I had, I had like a lot of experience doing events because I've been doing events since I was 16. I used to do yeah. like, I used to DJ, I used to run, uh, do do raves as well. So I had a lot of experience running events. But um, so yeah, it kind of went that way. And I said to myself, I'm not even going to register this as an organization until I know it's needed in the community. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm not, not just doing it for my ego or, or just because for vibes. Do you know what I mean? I want to actually make yeah. an impact. So yeah, when I clocked that, it was needed. Something happened. So a lot of teachers came to our events and I didn't even know they were teachers half the time. And then they was telling their school about us and then the school started contacting us saying, we need you in our schools. We want to pay you X amount to run workshops, but to pay you, you need to have a business account. We can't pay an individual. Yeah. So that's when I was like, oh, cool. I need to make this, this is serious now. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like educational, yeah. like institutes are asking us to come in and run programs. So Bearing in mind, we didn't have a program at that point. <laughs> I was saying, yeah, we're just at we're just at the early stages. So, so now I registered Poets Unity as a charitable company, which is with charitable purposes. Um, sorry, company limited by guarantee of charitable purposes. Um, and then from there, we just kept growing, bro. Like, and then we really built on our programs, our educational programs, what we do in terms of like past the events. You know what I'm saying? So, like, we really got start really started doing stuff around mental health mm-hmm. and understanding how mental health. Um, can be helped through poetry and how poetry could be an amazing outlet for young people to express themselves. And a lot of the time, I, f- I found this like, you know, just by running workshops and just trying to thing, a lot of the time, people spoke more through their poetry than they ever did in a conversation or a discussion. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Um, and I was like, wow, this is like free therapy for everybody. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, this is yeah. amazing. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, so yeah, we really started to build our programs from there. As you said, we started to partner with like, you know, 
big organizations start to work with like the Princess Trust, Young Minds, uh, Black Ocean Archives, Fiat Peckham, all these like organizations that are way bigger than us at the point. Mm. Um, but they they saw something that we had something special. And I knew we had something special when, when the pandemic hit. Mm. Because a lot of organizations kind of struggled at that point or like they couldn't adapt. And bearing in mind, suppose Unity, we're a young team and I'm the only one. In fact, sorry, not the only one. I'm the oldest one. I'm 35. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm the oldest. <laughs> Everyone else is younger, isn't it? So like, as the oldest man on the team, yeah? Like, obviously, we, we're very connected to the community, very connected to young people. You know, we're very connected to social media. We know how to run that. We know how that works. And also, one thing that's always been really important for me at Post Unity is that we have lived experience with the young people we support. Yeah. So as much as, yeah, we support all young people, our main focus is black and black mixed young people. Yeah. Um, and obviously, my, all of our team are black or black mixed. Do you know what I'm saying? So again, that's another thing that's really important to me that we, that the young people we're supporting, they can see people like themselves mm. in these positions. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, and it's actually attainable. Do you know what mm. I'm saying? Like, um, so yeah, like, but during the pandemic, we adapted all of our like events and workshops to online. Mm. And then we started running like, it was crazy, bro. Like, I mean, we're just doing Instagram lives every week. Yeah. Every week. You know, sessions, uh, session. I know you jumped on a couple as well. Sessions yeah. every, like, almost every day we're running a workshop. Um, and in, that, in the space of nine months, so from March 2020, I think it was, yeah, to December 2020, we reached over 10,000 young people in that point globally. Mm. And then also we provided nearly 300 services in 365 days. So we were almost doing something like almost every day for that time. So obviously, man was mad burnt out. I'm not going to lie. It's crazy. But mm. what was great about that time, though, is that a lot of these foundations and organizations that give grants and stuff who didn't know about us, then that time put us on the map. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Because like a lot of organizations weren't... Two things that we have, I guess that's quite unique, especially at that point, was we was, we was like very busy doing stuff all the time. And we adapted all of our programs online, which a lot of people struggle with. And also we were reaching a young black community, which again, these organizations struggle with on a normal day. Do you know what I'm yeah. saying? So to do that in that, you know, that hard time as well, it made a big difference in it in terms of like people really taking notice of us. So like organizations like National Lottery, uh, City Bridge Trust. Um, again, the Princess Trust came back to work with us again. We did a lot of stuff with Princess Trust in that time. So a lot of these organizations that, you know, maybe didn't hear about us before or wasn't aware of us, that period of time was a that big big time for us. Yeah. And I think I would say just this one more thing is that when the world is, the worse the world is, the more we're needed. Do you know yeah. what I'm saying? That's what I've noticed. Do you know what I'm saying? So as the, as and the world's just getting worse and worse, mm. you know what I'm saying? Unfortunately, do you know what I'm saying? So, so it's become more needed. And, and I guess since the pandemic, we've just scaled our work. We've started doing bigger things. We started like providing a youth employment scheme now, giving young people jobs partnering with bigger organizations, taking our work across the whole UK. And again, for me, I want to see poetry in mad spaces, bro. As you said, we're taking poetry to different types of, like, places that we, like Lush, that didn't even come to my mind. Like, mm. like, so things like random places that wouldn't even expect poetry to be, I want it to be in there. Do you know what I'm saying? So, and like, that's kind of what Pose, Pose Unity is all about. It's about, you know, giving young people a voice, helping young people reach their highest potential, and allowing them to be the authentic selves. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's exactly that's exactly what I thought you would say. <laughs> but there's some new stuff there that I wasn't even aware of, um, and I'm just glad that it's just, it's just good to just know a snippet of the history of Poetic Unity and just how you're looking to make that grow going forward. Um, in relation to you and poetry, I think you've just, you, you, you touched on it earlier. It's two things, right? You did say corny, I'm not going to lie. I, I, I picked that because it's, it's almost like it's this truth, or is this not, ah, not, mm, it's a rawness that for the most part, I think people wouldn't like to necessarily admit too, too, too tough. And if I'm, if I'm working with a lot of young people and, and if we're talking about poetry and whatever it is, they're kind of like, ugh, ugh. Mm-hmm. Even though I feel like that's changed over time, it's got more popular over time. Mm-hmm. But at one point, there was a bunch of like, listen, even when I was on open mics, people were leaving the room to do what they did. It just wasn't of interest, right? 
But what was also interesting in what you said was access points. So for the most part, at one point, if you did mention poetry, then it might just be like a bunch of old dead white poets. Do you see what I mean? It might just be a Shakespeare or along those lines or what have you. But your access points were was different and your access points um, made you consider not only what poetry could be or how it looks for you, like you can see yourself in this. And I say the same, this is the same, my relationship with hip hop for the most part. Like mm. when I saw Busta Rhymes, for example, or when I saw like, like, like LL Cool J, all these different folks, MC Light, I was just like, Missy Elliott, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I can see myself tied. Like I can see myself mm. doing this. Um, what, when, well, you spoke on the when in terms of George and Sully. Um, why did you get into poetry? Interesting, yeah. So, I was always into music, innit? So I was doing music for a while um, before I started doing... In fact, I was doing grime first. Mm. A lot of people don't know that. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I was I was on On Top FM, which was like a big underground Mad. station in the South. We had our own slot. I had a crew called All Jokes Aside. Like, we was on this thing, bro. We was like, so wait, we was what was the MC name? Was it still Rags or wasn't it? It was still Rags. Yeah, yeah, it was Rags. It was just Rags though. It wasn't like Rags CV at that point. It was just Rags. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's so it's still, I've had Rag, the name Rags since I was twelve. Um, mm. so a long time. That's been a, been with me. But um, yeah, so I'd say for me, it kind of came from me watching a film in it. So I'm big on movies. I get a lot of inspiration from movies. So I watched um, obviously this well-known film. It's one of my favorites called Inception. Mm. Um, and uh, I got a lot of inspiration from the music. So obviously Hans Zimmer, he, he's a, an amazing composer. He created the music off that piece. And there's mm. a piece called Time, um, which most people will be aware of. And I just ended up writing to this piece, bro. At the time I was doing music, but I was just writing yeah. to this piece. And I remember like, I was like, you know what? I'm going to perform what I've written to an audience. Like open mic. I was going to bear open mics, but these weren't poetry open mics. They were music open mics. Yeah. So I went there performed and I remember like when I first performed it you could hear a pin drop mm. hear a pin drop you could like no one was talking nothing whereas before when I performed with music and had a beat maybe a chorus everyone was talking during people's sets kind of not like you know in a bad mind way but just be like you know little murmurs yeah, here and there yeah. yeah exactly um, and I liked that do you know what I'm saying and I remember a guy come up to me after and he said you're a sick poet you know mm. and when he said that I felt I felt away I was like Wait a second. <laughs> Poetry's corny. That's not me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't, I didn't like it. I'm not going to lie, bro. I thought he was kind of dissing, man. I ain't going to lie. Do you know what I mean? So, like, but I clocked, like, obviously, after I deeped it and I saw, like, how my performance was um, was taken in, yeah. I was like, actually, this is a, this is kind of me. Like, and I realized, what. so what I, obviously, you know the piece, Digital Slaves. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's the first ever spoken word piece I ever wrote. Um, mm. And, like, I noticed when I listened back to it and I started performing it more, I started to realize actually like this is very different to what I do when I'm doing music. Do you know what I'm saying? And I started to understand that I kind of just did it by accident, but I kind of just happened just by, I guess by chance, but it was meant to be. Do you know what I mean? And from there, I started to perform that piece quite a lot on open mics and whatnot. And I remember it got picked up by World Star Hip Hop. And back then, World Star Hip Hop was mm, big. World Star, boy. Yeah, mm. yeah. I think this is even when the founder was still alive as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, do you know what I'm saying? And um, it went kind of like viral a little bit, like more so I would say in America than the UK, but because obviously you know of America, if it goes well yeah. in America, then people are going to love it here. So like, because it went viral a bit, I could then start saying to people, yo, I need to be paid. Yeah. That's another whole other thing, by the way, that when yeah. I came on the poetry scene, no one was getting paid. Like, you know mm. what I'm saying? Everyone was doing like free, free, free feature shows, not just like open mic's different, isn't it? But mm. free feature performances. I didn't really know anyone who was getting paid that much. So that kind of changed the game for me and I saw there was a lane for this. And then I remember I saw um, George the Poet's uh, oldest piece mm. on um, Link Up TV. I don't know if you remember it, but when I saw that, I was like, that's, that's, he's talking about the ends in the piece. Yeah, and yeah. like, I was like, yeah, this is a bit of me. Like mm. I can imagine, like what, the way he put that together, it just, it like, you can't watch that as a man from the ends and be like, that's corny. No way. Mm. It's impossible. Do you know what I'm saying? And I was like, yeah, this is what, basically what he's doing is he's basically breaking down to you the end, yeah? Like what it is, mm. but in a, in a way that people can actually connect with. It didn't feel corny. It didn't feel Shakespeare. It just felt like he was being himself. Mm. You know what I'm saying? 
So I really I always remember that piece because that one stood out to me. Um, and then yeah, from there I just started carrying on with Digital Slaves, started to perform it more. And I remember I created this piece. You, I think you've heard it as well called "What Are You." Yeah. Um, kind of talking about my background uh, of being mixed race. And um, after that piece came out and I started performing that more, that's when I really started to grow Lean into in. the poetry scene. Yeah, and I was like, actually, this is definitely me. Like, this is like, this needs to be like taken further. And like I said, the main, the main reason why I was, I guess, inspired to take it further was because of the audience reaction. I've never been somewhere where the audience just listens intently to any any music song. I've been yeah. to like the biggest concerts, the biggest rappers of all time, like, and people are still talking when they're performing. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, but with poetry, everyone respects the thing. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, this is what I'm about. Like, I want to, and also one thing, a big nod to the poetry community in general is a very like safe space and a very like welcoming space. Yeah. Very different to hip hop. Like you ain't gonna get no bottles thrown at you if someone thinks you're trashed. You know and I'm saying like mm. it's always gonna be that support there. And I was like, yeah, this is the kind of community I want to be part of. Um, of of your experiences so far, because you've started in your own, you started in your own show as well. Just what I mean, like you've made, you've you've created these poems to music. You've done the old school kind of like flyer, do you know what I mean? Ticket situation in terms of events, like you are a, your grafter and, and, I'm, and I want to talk into this later. But to date, is there a specific moment that is like, that you're proud of? Like when you, when you look back, you'd be like, you know what? Yeah, I've done that. I, I absolutely, absolutely done that. There's no denying it. Mm. Yeah, it has to be the play that I created with Magira and Victor, mm. mental, because that's the hardest thing I've done to this point as an artist. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm. Like acting, never acted before, like mm. pure dialogue, the amount of dialogue that was in that play. And obviously it's mainly me and Magira speaking. Yeah. So like there's a lot, there's a lot to learn. Um, and bearing in mind, the reason why I say that was a proud moment or, or the proudest moment is because of how much stuff was going on around it. So I'm still running Poetic Unity, you know, five, six days a week as well as trying to prepare for the show. Mm -hmm. um, we had only one week, one week of intense rehearsals every, every evening. And it wasn't mm. even like a whole day. It was like an evening. And I remember on the day of the show, bro, like on the day of the show, like we hadn't even done a, a full run through without a mistake yet. That's mad. It was only five o'clock. We did one last run through where we just did it clean. And that gave man that confidence in the evening to say, yeah, we can actually do this. You know what I'm saying? But before five o'clock, all of us, all three of us had lines we hadn't remembered and we was like, yo, we can't go on that stage and make a fool of ourselves. You know what I'm saying? We've got to make sure we, we pull this out of the bag and thankfully we did. Um, I think it went, it went down really well mm. and I think like the messaging within the, the play as well was really important. It's like, I think me, especially me, for me and Magiro, I think we kind of laid our souls bare there, man. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like we're talking about some deep subjects like, especially like yeah. the fatherhood one, um, the ends ones like you know I can't speak for Maguro because obviously he's not here but I know there's one piece in particular that he said like it took him back yeah. we, had, we had to have a conversation like after the play like a week after the play we had we had a deep like four or five hour phone conversation about how it, how that play affected us yeah. in a good and bad way do you know what I'm saying yeah. so um, but the reason why I say it's the proudest moment as well is because of what happened after so when people watched it I remember one guy come up to me after the play had done, um, no, sorry, he, he voice noted me like the day after the play yeah. and he said, look, thank you so much for that play, bro. That, that play allowed me to have conversations with my dad that I've never ever had. Yeah. And I was like, that's a deeper thing, bro. You know what I'm saying like, I didn't even expect that. Do you know what I'm saying? So when that, when I was hearing things like that back, I was like, yeah, this is a that's, deeper that's thing. That's why you do it. Yeah, facts. Um, can we talk, can we talk a bit about performance? Let's talk. I'm really keen to talk a bit about performance um, yeah, because you performance to you is is it's important and 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 even you touching on that the idea of boy this show's about to happen and we haven't had a clean run and this was just a clean run that we just had before we we're about to go on and also something on on you just because there was a lot of dialogue in your show 
right? And the idea of memorizing all of that dialogue and doing stuff. Bro, we're only going to get older. We're only going to mm. get older. There's only so many lines that we can memorize over time to be like, <laughs> yo, this is how much we're running into this. We're not young gunners in this as much, no more or whatever. <laughs> However, the performance is still key, right? Mm. Um, and performance is something that you pride yourself in as well as I would assume in relation to poetic unity, performance is something that is a proud thing that also is mm. carried through. Would you mind talking a bit on performance and, and, and just where you sit with that generally? You know what, like, even with the play Mental, yeah? Mm. I think the main thing I said to Megira and Victor, I said, I want people to feel this. You know, if, so, if someone makes a little mistake throughout the play, I don't, that's, not, that, that's not the end of the world. My problem is, is when someone goes to watch something here, see a performance, and they just don't feel it. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, there's a, there's a you know that goosebumps moment? You yeah. feel those goosebumps, like, or, and there's, there, was a, there was also a point in the play, obviously, I know you saw it, where I was like, if some people ain't crying at this point, I'm disappointed. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? That's how we, I'm, I'm very, like, strategic about when I'm creating something and how I want people to feel. Do you mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I'm thinking about how can this make someone feel? And I remember, I'll say this as well, actually, because this is, like, a moment that stood out for me. We did a read-through, innit? Like, the first time we finished the script, this was, like, probably like a month before we performed it. Yeah. Yeah. First time we finished the script and then some of the people that have never heard about the play ever before came and listened to the read-through and there's one of the designers came and I remember we was reading like and then there was a point where she just burst out crying like, do you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like she was like, she just felt it like deeply and, uh, and, when, and I'm not going to lie, when that happened, I was like, yeah, this is something special. Do you know what I'm yeah. saying? Um, because this is a stranger. I don't know this person from anyone. She's not coming here to, you know, you know, beyond Poetic Unity or Rag CVs, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like bandwagon. She's come in as someone who knows Suzanne, do you know what I'm saying? Like more than yeah. me, do you know what I'm saying? So, but I guess that my whole point of saying this is to say like when we did Mental, that's why that was, that play was all about performance. Do you know what I'm saying for me? And I was all about trying new things and that's the thing about performance. You're not always going to get it right. And I, and I know, I know you can speak to this, that something that I'm trying to go into a bit more is movement. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? And we touched on it a little bit in mental, not as much as we wanted to because we didn't have enough time. But we touched on it a little bit during mental and I was like, we need to do more of this because there's so much more we can add to our, our repertoire. Do you know what I'm saying? When we can actually add movement and we can actually add like, like you said, dialogue and we can actually add like, put things in, in the scenes of, that we want to actually see and not just go on the mic and just stand still and perform. Do you know what I'm saying? Although yeah. that can also be a very good performance. It depends how you perform it. Do you know what I'm saying? So, my point is that when I perform as an artist, like especially when I'm going on a stage, I'm always thinking about how are the audience going to feel about this. It doesn't really, like I said, to, I said to I said this to a poet the other day. Sorry, they said to me, "Oh yeah, the performance wasn't as good as they thought it was, mm -hmm. um, or the, the poem didn't come out how they wanted to." I said, "Well, how did the audience respond? How did they feel? Did you talk to them about it after?" And they said, "Yeah, that like one person came up to me said it's the best performance they've seen in months." I said, "That's yeah. all that matters." Do you know what I'm saying? To me, that's all that matters. If I'm not ever going to be 100% happy with my performance, that's a fact, because I'm always striving for perfection, even though I know it doesn't exist. <laughs> but I, I want, it's what the audience feels. How does the audience feel after they've seen me perform or been to one of my shows or been to a Poetry Unity show? Um, and, I got, and, and that goes on to say, when we run Poetry Unity events and we're, we're trying to mentor these young poets coming up, I talk to them about it all the time. Like It could be something as small as a lot of poets, as you know, use a phone to read yeah. their poetry from, I said, no, nah, you need to memorize, man. Like, you got to memorize. Like, yeah, you can read from a book or phone here and there, but if you memorize, you're giving yourself much more room to use things. So you can even use a book if you want to as part of your prop, but you're not focused on using a book, if that makes sense. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? And like, and like, obviously we run, we run a spoken word theater uh, company uh, through Poets at Unity, and like, the main focus of that company is it's a weekly workshop we do for 11 months is to help these poets build in their performance and like add things like movement and add things like um, certain like way of projecting. So even like the Poets Corner that we do at the Black Culture Archives every two weeks on a Friday, mm. it's like that event, it's a, a, week, a regular event. And the whole point of it being regular, even from when we started it, when it used to be weekly, is it's a training ground for poets. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? They've got a real audience there to try out something new 
and to build on the work they're doing, isn't it? Do you know what I'm saying? And for me, we purposely don't have a mic there as well. I don't know if you clocked that. We've never had yeah, a mic yeah, there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? The budget's not that low. We could get, we can't afford a mic. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. we always tell people that we don't have a mic on purpose because we want you to be able to project and get used to projecting. Not, don't rely on a mic because there might be a time where you're performing in an office where there is no yeah. mic at a yeah. corporate event. Do you know what I'm saying? Like so, so yeah. So I think for me, performance in spoken word. Spoken word is a performance art. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, as they say, poetry is for the page. Spoken word is for the stage. So if you're doing spoken word. You've got to come with some sort of performance. You've got to have something. And that's not just, you know, theatrical or movement or whatever. That's also engaging with the audience. Mm. A lot of the time in my poetry now, I'm always trying to think, how can I get the audience involved? Like, yeah. there's a, there's some of my poem is a po- Yeah, there's a poem where I just spud someone. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, that, yeah. that person feels great. You know what I'm saying? When I spud them, they're like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? They're involved. Do you know what I'm saying? It's a small part, but it's like these little added elements. I guarantee that person will come up and say, yeah, that was a good poem. Even if they didn't necessarily like it, because I've involved them in it, it's connected yeah. them to it. You get what I'm saying? So I always, I always try to say to poets, like, that's what we need to do more of, it. we need to make sure the audience are involved somewhere or another without it taking away from your performance. You get me? I, I do feel like there is a happy medium happening where you, you are, we're, we're seeing poets who have come from a spoken word background and performance background who are writing books, who are now going out mm. there with their books and they're performing it. You know, there's the kind of age-old page stage stuff, which I'm not going to get into, but I'm really interested in the in the hybrid of, of what this looks like in relation to something like performance going forward, which I feel like with the collective and the within Poetic Unity, those worlds it's exciting to see what the possibilities can be. Do you know what I mean? Um, now, I've, the reason why I feel like I, I vibe with you personally is because there's this, almost like this kind of nomad journey self that I went through where when on the come up, I, I was with no collective. I had to kind of make sense of who does this this, this, this. And also there was a bit of frustration in like, raw, like, I'm trying to break into this for the most part and and it's almost like I'm not receiving any form of like support in like, oh, come and check this out or come and see this or come to this collective. And when that didn't necessarily happen, I was like, all right, cool, I'm just going to have to do this on my own. <laughs> I'm just going to have to like, I'm just going to have to I'm just going to have to plow through this on my own as best way possible. And if I bump into people on the way, then I bump into people on the way because mm. the actual time that I have to look for these things, is, it's, I'm wasting my own time in doing that. I'm, I'm best to just cultivate this as best as I can for myself. And I feel like on this kind of, even though you're not so solo, the way you operate is, all right, cool. I'm not going to wait for people. I'm going to... I'm going to do this and I'm go- and this is how it's going to go for me. How was that how how has that been? Cuz it's do you know what it is? I I'm asking it because it's enough to almost deter you from trying to do this anyway. Like it's 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 one thing trying to break into a scene if you don't necessarily feel like the the, the doors have been open for you to go into and that can easily turn you away but you're just like no there's something else that is a pu- there's a purpose here that pushes you. So what, what that whole, and I, and I tell you all the time, I'm like, yo, sharing is caring. you got a team. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Sharing is caring. you got a team. De- <laughs> delegate. Do you know what I mean? Talk to your people. You're going to stress. You're going to burn out. So you're in a position now where you don't necessarily have to do that all the time. But when you was at that point, when it was you kind of like frontlining all of these things, how was that? You know what? This might sound mad, but it was actually easy. Because, like, like I said, the mindset I got from my dad was that you got a graft for everything, can it? And I, I came into the scene feeling like no one owes me anything. Do you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, no one don't owe me, you know, support or or whatnot. And also, my thing was, I, I'm always trying to prove myself to myself. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm always like, can I be a better version of myself than I was yesterday? Do you know what I'm saying? Or, or how many? 
Like I remember there's a point where we was doing loads of like big events. So we had like three, four hundred people coming to our events and stuff. Um, and I was like, and then me, it, it'd be, it would be me and like a couple other like promoters like selling. I'd be like, all right, cool. I sold a hundred tickets last month. I need to sell 150 this month. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it's always that competitive edge for me. Do you know what I'm saying? Like I want to just do better. Like I want to be better. And again, like you said, it, it leans into my purpose, isn't it? Like I knew the, the energy I had from when I started Poets Unity is because I knew this is part of my purpose. You know what I'm saying? This is my vehicle, Poets Unity. So it's quite easy in that way. I guess, um, I guess what it could be difficult is that depending on your mindset, you might get a bit like, yo, why ain't no one jumping on this or why ain't no one giving me these opportunities? Because don't get twisted, I've seen people get opportunities that have done way less than what I've done. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? But that doesn't speak to... That one thing I realized about this world, it doesn't matter necessarily how much you've done, it's about the networks and the connections that you have and the relationships that you have. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? Is that if you've got a relationship with the right people and you've done half the stuff we've done at Poets Unity, but then they're not going to necessarily talk to us because they've got that relationship with you. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, so... Yeah. So that, and that's why I never really, it never really bothered me so much because I was like, you know what? Cool, like you guys, you know, you do your thing that way, but we're going to do things our way. And that's one thing I loved about Pose Unity is that everything I've done, and I've done, obviously now we've got a bit of a team now, we've always done it our way. No one's told us what to do. Do you know what I'm saying? No one's, we've never, we've never like changed our values or morals or anything to fit or to, or to receive a certain amount of uh, funding or anything. We've always done things the way we want to do it. And we've we've done it morally. And, and bro, there's been a few times here yeah, where people have tried to throw money at us to do things that are outside of our morals, innit? Do you know what I'm saying? Mm. Like, and I'm like, nah, I'm good. Like, I don't need to accept no money if it's going to go against what I stand for. I stand yeah. for. Exactly, yeah. If, what, who am I if I don't stand for something? You see what I'm saying? So, yeah. so I think like, there is that nomad type thing like you said, but also... It's in the name, Poetic Unity. We have collaborated with loads of organizations, but I think where we're a bit different to other, I guess, poetry kind of collectives or organizations is we haven't really co collaborated with many poetry organizations. We go outside the box more. Do you know what I'm saying? We'll more go to a, like a Lush, do you know what I'm saying? Or a Prince's Trust or something like that instead of like, you know, maybe another poetry organization. That's not to say that we wouldn't collaborate with poetry organization anyway, but I'm just saying that's, that's kind of more been my thinking is like, how can we do something outside of the box? Because if, for example, if I do a poetry event with another poetry organization, it's like, yeah, we could have done that anyway. You know what I'm yeah. saying? It's nothing really special about it other than the fact you're bringing two organizations together. So, yeah, I'm always trying to think how can we take what we're doing to another level and how can we have the positive impact that we want to have on young people and, and giving them the opportunities. And as you've noticed with Poets Unity, as I said, I'm the oldest one on the team. Everyone's like, 25 and under, really. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Maybe 26 at most. And uh, that's by design, bro. And also, another thing that's by design is that I want people to come to Brixton. So obviously, people <laughs> know Brixton's been gentrified like, <laughs> so badly. We're trying to keep the culture there, bro. So like when we, you know, when we made a nest there, Black Culture Archives, that was, again, that was by design. I was like, I'm from Brixton. I want to keep this place. I want to keep some culture here, innit? They can't get rid of us all. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? So like making that hub Bro, we've got people coming from Scotland, Wales, Enfield, do you know what I mean? East London, West London, all coming to Brixton just for our event. Do you know what I'm saying? And then they'll go home to where... And there's guys... There's a guy in particular, I won't say his name, there's a guy who lives in Enfield and he comes to like the Poets Corner almost every, every time we do that event. Mm. And then he just goes all the way back home to Enfield, <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? And Enfield ain't close. And they ain't, like, ain't, close. <laughs> ain't close at all, bro, do you know what I'm saying? But that's the type of... That's what I love about Poets Unity is that we've created a hub now in Brixton. And like Brixton yeah. to me is such a special place. And it's not just a special place for Caribbeans, because obviously they call it Little Jamaica. I think it's a special place for black people in general, because it's, like it's like a Mecca. Yeah. Obviously it's been, again, it's been gentrified. But even if it's been gentrified, there's still a massive like black community there. Um, and again, I feel like we need to keep that culture there. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why like, we're there at the moment. Um. Would you mind sharing a poem for us, please? <laughs> you always waiting for this one, man. There's an inside joke here that 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 the listeners won't won't appreciate as much as yeah. I appreciate this right now. <laughs> but because the thing is, the thing is, rags work so much that like the poem is is 
not not say the last thing. There is a priority there, but it's like there's there's the if we're talking purpose, then the purpose is the work and the work mm. that Rags does. And I'm just like, yo, but where's the poems? B, where's the poems? Mm. So it's yeah, I'm happy to be here right now. Is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what's funny? Like it's like it's like exactly what you said. The poetry, like it's important, and that's why I put on that play mental. Do you know what I'm saying? Because that's the type of stuff I want to do when I am out there. Do you know what I'm saying? I want to do some. I want to do stuff that's like taking me out of my comfort zone and like, and and taking me further as an artist. Do you know what I'm saying? As a poet, mm. and like really building on my my skills and stuff, and like kind of what we were saying earlier about doing more movement, more dialogue, and whatnot. So I'm definitely that's definitely a thing, but I definitely keep it separate from poetic unity in general because. As people know, people that come to my space, like they know that I don't want to make poet unity about rag CV. Do you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like I want it to be about the community. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, so most of the time I don't even host the event now, bro. That we do. Mm. Even tonight we're doing an event. I'm not even there. Mm. I fear mm. Peckham. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm. So I don't need poet unity isn't rag CV. Poet unity is the community. Do you know what I'm saying? So like that's why I don't really perform at those events. But obviously, this is a, a different this thing. Is, this is a different thing. And it's you. Yeah. <laughs> exactly so yeah I'll, I'll perform something cool go for it okay cool you see growing up in the Yens your postcode determined your friends and these postcode wars are real and it's quite fitting now I think about all of this while I'm sitting at the Yens it's called the Yens because it's literally the end of the road man for so many young youths and I remember being 15 having to prove myself to this man and that man and after proving myself to them man there was always a next man that was long but it's even though there's all this grief and no times understanding your pill. Because he gains his family. So how can you expect a road man to listen to a grown man about changing his life when he doesn't even know, man? Yeah. He doesn't even know, man. He doesn't know about the war on the states or the race of police brutality on black men, especially across the United States. He thinks it's nothing to do with race, he doesn't know. About losing friends to gang crime, he's one of the people who thinks so fun and games to win gang signs when young youths are being killed for just looking at the next man, he doesn't know. About single moms raising their sons in poverty-stricken areas, no family support and being blamed for the fact the children are acting up, he doesn't know. What it's like to grow in a place you call home and then be uprooted all of a sudden because the government decided to gentrify the location, he doesn't know. Yeah, he doesn't know what it's like. You're not going to listen to someone who doesn't know what it's like. It's like learning to drive for someone who has failed numerous times and still can't ride a pedal bike. It doesn't make sense. See, I'm not saying I got all the answers, but I know when I was young and on the road, I weren't trying to listen to a man who didn't understand where I was coming from. See, that's why it's so important that us, man, who used to be in the street are showing that we can change our life. Yeah. So young people can look up to us and be like, Ross, he looks like me. Maybe I can change my life. You see, there's so much potential when the youth and to tell the truth is no excuse for them not reaching their goals, but don't get it twisted. They made it so much harder for us in the concrete jungle. But please, don't let the ends be the end. Yeah, it's good to hear you, bro. This is this is me. This is good to hear you. Do you know what I mean? It's really good. It's always. It's I mean, it's the first time I've performed man. anything in a minute. I ain't gonna lie. In a hot minute, this is what I'm trying to say. Because you're just yeah. be busy being CEO. This is this is what this is what it does. Right, let um, me say this as well. Just before we before it. we wrap up, yeah. Mm. There's also like a transition taking place. I don't know when it's gonna happen, mm. but it's, it's happening, isn't it? Like I'm Rag CV. I'll say it live here. It's gonna take a step back and it's going to be Ryan J. Matthews Robinson. Oh, at what? Some, uh, at some point, yeah. Because the sh- yeah. shifting. Yeah, yeah, it's shifting, yeah. It's shifting, it's shifting, it's shifting. I'm, I'm 35 now. Do you know what I mean? I don't know. Like, it's already started, but yeah, I don't know yeah. when it's going to be fully... You're getting In the like, emotion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm, I'm feeling I like... You. My name is like... My name is a long name, but yeah. it needs to be out there. You know what I'm saying? Like, because... Rags CV, I feel like it's more, it's always going to be part of me. Because yeah. like I said, Rags didn't come from me as a poet. It came from me as a personality. So for those who don't know, Rags is a, is a, it's yeah. like a mindset. It's like being Rago, isn't it? Speaking my mind. It's yeah, a Jamaican thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, just speak my mind blunt. I've always been that way, as you know. So I think people always call me that. But in terms of professionally, I'm, I think Ryan J. Matthews Robinson is coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm coming, here for that. And I'm sure that yeah. that will be loved and supported in terms of that continual growth and journey. Um, before we wrap, wrap, um, anything that you are currently reading or listening to at the moment? Mm. 
When you say listening to, what do you mean? Like podcasting? Just, nah, it can be anything. Music, podcast, whatever it is. You know what? There's this book. I haven't started reading it yet, but I'm going to definitely be reading it soon. Um, I can't remember what it's called, but it's about what's happening in Tigray. So I don't know if you know about what's happening in um, uh, in East Africa. There's a lot of mm. like a lot of issues going on, a lot of war. Mm. It's really, yeah, it's really messed up. Um, I need to find the name of the book, but it's, it looks like my friend gave it to me and she's like, you need to like check this out. A lot in. of the time, people, yeah, people were not... You know, like with, you know, the whole thing that's going on in Ukraine, it's not, there's certain things that are not being said in other parts of the world. There's a lot of war going on. So, but Tigray in particular, there's a, yeah. lot, of, a lot of problems there. So, but it's like a book of like, a pers- it's a personal like, autobiography of like different people's perspectives of what they're going through in the country. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I'm, re- I'm looking forward to reading that just to get a better understanding. And in terms of music or what I'm listening to, I'm always listening to like, so many different types of music, bro. I've got a playlist. I'm looking at a playlist. I'm looking at it now, mm. and I've got things on there like like '90s to mm. like current. But I'd say the thing that like I'm listening to at the moment is, um, you know, Cass is dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Boys will be boys. Yeah, that's I a, need some new tune. Cass is dead, man. This guy, yeah. boy, just just finds his way missing from time to time. I just need, yeah, yeah some Cass is dead is the one. Um, Yes, bro, we've reached that point in time and I know this is this is this is actually quite short for like our exchanges in life anyway. Um but for the time that we have this piece of documentation archive, I'm very thankful. Do you know what I mean? That that yes, you you you've spoken about the, the greater purpose in which the work you do, but personally your own journeys I think is the documenting that is important. Um and the exclusive of that start of the journey as as we slowly start fading out Rags CV and welcome Ryan in the mix. Um, bro, it was an absolute pleasure. I look forward to just the ways in which we'll connect in the future, which we've always have done. Do you know what I mean? And it's a blessing just to have you in this space and landscape, man. Thank you very much. No, thanks for having me, man. Big out every time. Thank you for listening to Apples and Snakes, the podcast. I've been your host, Yomi Shode. And I hope you have enjoyed today's deep dive into the lives of black British poets and creatives. Thank you to our audio producer, Drew Hawley at The Lab Studios. If you want to find out more about Apples and Snakes, head over to applesandsnakes.org and follow at Apples and Snakes on all social media channels. And remember, if you like what you are hearing, please, Please subscribe wherever you would usually listen to your podcast and rate us and leave a review on Apple Podcasts.